Good morning, everybody. Thanks, Wesley. Thanks, everybody, for the way that you have joined in and encouraged those who are around you this morning, those who are watching online, others who will be joining us later in the week, who will be uh, able to be encouraged because of, uh, of you being here today and being able to, to share in this time. We greatly appreciate it, and thank you so Man, thank you so very much. It was great to see the, the first graders up here. Thanks to Mr. Mark, Mr. Cheeser for uh, handing out those Bibles. We look forward to that every single year. And I think you can, you can tell by the look on the face of the kiddos, right? They were pretty excited about it as well. And we want to be able to, want to, be able to continue that excitement with our children. We want to be able to continue the excitement that they have for uh, being able to have God's Word close by, and we want to be able to help them as they begin that journey of discovering the truths of Scripture. And, and so moms and dads, we want you to know that when you go to our uh, children's center later on to pick up your kiddos, uh, we're going to have uh, some handouts for you that are specifically uh, put together in order to uh, kind of serve as a roadmap for you. If you've got a first grader or if you've got a second or third, doesn't matter, but we want to provide you with something to kind of help walk you along when it comes to helping your children walk through the beauty and the story of Scripture. Sometimes we have, in the past, uh, given out uh, a Bible to a certain grade, and, and we have been all excited about that. And then it's been like, all right, parents, good luck. Go open up a passage of Scripture and, and start reading and, and see how you do. But we, we want to be, be a little bit more intentional with that this year. Uh, with their children. And so moms and dads, as you are going to pick up your children later on in our children's center, just look for that, for that handout. And then I encourage you to pray over that and with your kids and then to be able to, to utilize that uh, each week as you begin to journey through Scripture together or continue a journey that you have already begun through the beautiful story of Scripture with your, with your kids. Here at East Brainerd, we are trying to, to build on what God is already doing in our midst and becoming a faith community known for its outreach and for its inreach to those under the age of 45. And yes, those little ones over here earlier are a part of that. We call it our big, hairy, audacious goal. You can see the, the BHAG that's up here. Our big, hairy, audacious goal. And we have this as our goal because the Christian community, with very few exceptions, has been hemorrhaging young men and women for the last 25 years. And there are very few boats. There are very few boats, especially within our fellowship, that are successfully fishing in these waters. And there's no secret sauce. We've talked about this. And, and we've said there's no packaging or formula that can guarantee success. But the good news is that the followers of Jesus have something good to share with the world. There is healing and there is hope in God's kingdom. And that is the message that we have. And that is the story that we are able to share. And so what we are trying to do, especially this last month, is really just kind of lay a foundation for this idea. And so we have spoken about the healing and hope that comes through Jesus Christ. And that it should be present within the kingdom of God. And we've talked about how that others are going to, to listen more to a familiar face or a familiar voice when it comes to being able to share this good news. And how that every voice is called by God to, to share this. And 
just as we read earlier about not hindering those who want to come to Jesus, that we don't need to be hindering the voices that, that need to be sharing the good news. And, and how that every generation, no matter if you are older or younger, the same goal is there to be followers, to develop disciples of Jesus Christ. And so we've been trying to lay this foundation today, and we'll continue that. And then next week, we're going to begin to, to look at some very specific some very specific ideas, some very specific things that if we truly want to be able to impact the next generation and be able to connect them, have that opportunity for a hearing, to connect them to Jesus Christ, we're going to look at some specific things beginning next week that, that perhaps we can begin to incorporate into our lives, into our, our church family. I don't know if you've ever thought about this before, but many faith communities today are looking primarily for Christians. He said, well, that sounds kind of strange because I, I thought that the church was that one entity that wasn't looking necessarily for insiders. It was looking for, for outsiders. But when you look at the programming that goes on and, and the way that many churches structure themselves and the way that they go about their daily, their daily routines, many faith communities today are looking for believers. And they're looking for people who act and, and think and dress like they do. It used to be that you would see signs back when a lot of churches still had the church signs. I know those are kind of going away because so many things are going online now digitally. But you remember when you used to drive around and there'd be a church sign, it would say, come worship with us. Great announcement, right? Come worship with us. We want you here. The idea was that there were people driving down the road who were looking for places to go and worship. And that you might see this particular specific sign this particular road that you were on and it would be this sign that would be there and you would be yes that's where I want to go but the average unchurched man or woman is not driving down the highway looking for a place of worship honestly they're not really looking for us at all because generally speaking the younger a person is the more likely he or she is to be religiously unaffiliated they're not looking for us right now they're not looking for, for that place. They're not looking necessarily for that spiritual community. But what an impact we could have if we intentionally went out looking for them. So one day Jesus saw a little man who had climbed up a sycamore tree. And he called him by name and he said, hey, why don't you come down because we need to have lunch today. Not only do we need to have lunch, but we need to have lunch in your house now, if you're looking to be able to win friends and influence people, I don't know if it's a great idea to call somebody up and say, hey, I'm going to eat with you today, and I want to come and eat at your house. I don't know how that's going to go over, but that's what Jesus did when it came to Zacchaeus. And this dishonest tax collector climbed down the tree. He was excited that Jesus, this rabbi, would want to be in his home. And you know the story, perhaps, how that Zacchaeus becomes a follower, a believer of Jesus Christ. And Jesus would say to him, today salvation has come to your house. This house right here. You see, Jesus was looking and he looked out for those who were hungry and thirsty for meaning and for purpose in life. Another place in the Gospels, he would say, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but a sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. See, unlike some churches, Jesus' focus was on sinners and not saints. His priority was the outsiders, not the insiders. So what I want you to do just for a few minutes this morning, I want you to think about the unchurched people that you interact with on a regular basis, because you do. 
You do. More and more today in our society, in our culture, we have individuals who are not necessarily connected to any kind of place of faith. They're not necessarily focused in on the purpose of Jesus Christ. So I want you to think for a moment about those unchurched people that you interact with. And I want you to think about how to, that maybe your eyes can be open to look for those who, well, those who are lost in materialism. Those individuals who are lost in debt, in addiction. Those individuals who are lost in guilt and self-pity. Or those individuals who, who are lost in sinful, destructive lifestyles. And, and I want you to think about being able then to intentionally, to intentionally invest and target those individuals. You see, they're in your office and they're at the ball field. They're a part of your family. They serve you coffee. They mow your grass. They clean your teeth. They are old and they are also young. They are rich and they are poor. They sit next to you at meetings at school or at concerts. They even sit next to you in church gatherings similar to this. They're actually every man and every woman. And we intentionally focus here. We intentionally say we need to to target and have conversations with these individuals not because of some judgmental desire to correct or admonish, but because we have good news. We have good news that offers healing and hope and good news that points to life on a different level. So what I would love for us to be able to do is to, is to be able to take our phone or to take out a, a notebook or something and just write in the name of one person that I interact with, one person that you see on a regular basis through the course of a day or week, and you just write their name, you type their name there into your phone on a little note, you have it there with you because this person then becomes, as we've talked in the past here, this person becomes your one. This person is your one. And you begin to pray for him or for her. See, that name represents a person who is of extreme value to Jesus Christ, and therefore that person should be pretty important to you as well. And once you put their name there in your phone, once you write down that name, you've got it in your head, you can see the person right now because you know the interactions that you have had. You know the conversations that you have had with one another. You know the times where you have left and got in your car and said, man, I'm really concerned, or man, I really wish something could be done, or I really wish that that they could see life from a different perspective. You know that person. Once you have that name, once you have that, that face there in mind, then I want you to invest, and I want to encourage you to invite. By that I mean to invest time and energy in getting to know them. Invest time and energy in spending time with them, maybe beyond just the the casual conversations that you have already had. And maybe you see each other in a group at, at lunch. Maybe you are on the same plan team, and so you're there but you're not really having any time to truly invest in them, to, to really ask about things that are going on at home or, or to hear more about things that are taking place within their life personally. And so you invest time and energy in getting to know them, and then you invite them into your life. Now, I know maybe you thought I was going to say that you invite them to a program or a service here at church. And look, that's a good idea. And some of you maybe are here this morning because someone else invited you to come and to be a part of this. 
But I want to ask that you invite individuals into your life before you invite them here to our campus. See, previous generations were evangelized through large gatherings that focused on sharing biblical content. And many of the stories of men and women who were moved to accept Christ as Lord and Savior because of an emotional or persuasive revival service. And some of you who are here this morning, you can speak to how God used a Tuesday night message from a traveling preacher to speak to your heart and to convict your soul. And you can look back and you remember the song that was being sung that very night as, as you, with white knuckles on the pew that was there in front of you, decided to let go, not only of the pew, but let go of all the excuses and all the different things that have been holding you back from truly giving yourself totally to the Lord. And you remember walking down an aisle and you remember shaking hands with the preacher and you remember that night being baptized and all the hugs that you received and the kisses that you got from little old ladies. You had no idea who they were, but for some reason they loved you. Today, though, generations who look on church with either apathy or contempt, they need to see Jesus lived before they hear him preached. They need, to, they need to see Jesus. They need to understand who this Jesus is and the impact that this Jesus has on one life. They need to, they need to hear why things are different for you. They need to understand how you are able to go through this time, this, this tragedy, this darkness that's in your life. Where does your hope come from? Where do you look for, for healing? See, your job isn't to drive people to Jesus. It's it's your job to lovingly show him to them. And so you faithfully plant seeds with strangers and with friends, and you, you look for opportunities to name drop your Savior, knowing that God will give the increase. You will never reap a harvest if you never plant a seed, and, and you never know how that God is going to use you to build a bridge to someone that you end up coming in contact with. And so you have in your mind now that individual. You see their face. You're going to write down their name. Maybe you're going to put the name right there on the refrigerator. You're going to put it on a little card, and it's going to be on your mirror that you see each morning. It's going to be an alert that you have on your phone. And maybe just in here in the beginning, the only thing you do when it comes to that individual is that you pray for them. And that you have made up your mind that you're going to pray for them each morning. You're going to pray for them each night. Or there's going to be a special time at lunch or during the day. And you're going to pray for that one. Because you know the relationship that Jesus wants to have with them. And so you begin to pray. And you begin to, to ask God for more opportunities to be able to invest. And, and then you become intentional in, in looking to have more conversations and asking more questions. And then, again, you become intentional in being able to share things of your life and inviting them to be part of your life and to share in things that you are doing and to be able to share with them things that are taking place and struggles that it is that you are having. And it moves then from you that you just started praying for them, but all of a sudden you are now invested and now they are doing life with you. And now there comes opportunities where as you speak the name of Jesus, they begin to say, you know what, I would love to hear more about that. Well, that is great. I'm a part of this small group. I'm a part of this discipleship class. I'm a part of this church community. And we get together periodically, different times, different places, and would love to have you come and to be able to share and meet others and to be able to be in a community of faith.
you're one. Midway through his letter to the Corinthians, Paul explained his strategy. His strategy for sharing the healing and hope of Jesus with people from, from different backgrounds. I love this passage. It says, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. So when I'm with Jews, I, I live like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who followed the Jewish law, I too lived under that law. Even though I am not subject to the law, I did this so I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. When I am with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from that law so I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. When I'm with those who are weak, I share their weakness. For I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and to share in its blessings. What would happen if each and every follower of Jesus Christ had this kind of attitude? Had this kind of attitude? Paul says, look, to the Jew, I became a Jew. I, I walked like a Jew. I talked like a Jew. I went along with the customs and the laws as long as they did not violate my walk with Christ. He says, I did this in order to relate to, to connect to, and to impact the Jews with the message of Christ. He says, I became a non-religionist to those who did not observe the Jewish law. So I walked like a Gentile. I talked like a Gentile. I went along with their customs and with their beliefs just as long as it did not violate the walk that I was having with Christ. I did this in order to relate to and connect to and to impact the non-religious with the message of Christ. To the legalist, Paul acted like a legalist conforming to their laws and ceremonies. He went around and followed their petty rules and regulations without becoming entrapped in their legalism. And to the more liberal, he was liberal, though never going beyond the law of Christ. He conformed to, to their ideas and opinions just to be able to have an open door, to be able to help them grow in Christ. Because his desire was to relate to and connect to and impact these people with the message of Christ. What if that was truly our attitude? As we looked at the different individuals that, that we move with, that we are in the same streams with, and that we look and say, you know what, I'm going to invest and I'm going to invite so that I can relate to and connect to and impact these individuals with the message of Jesus Christ. If we want to connect the next generations to Christ, then this has to be the attitude of those who follow Christ. Paul clearly states his purpose for conforming to the customs and opinions. He said, I become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. And he is declaring that he goes to the extreme when necessary in order to, to reach people with the gospel of Christ. What mattered to him was not his wants or his needs or his rights, but the good news, the, the, the healing and the hope that came through Jesus. He wanted to do whatever he could to make sure that people did not miss out on the grace of God. And the reason that we're having this conversation together is because we need to be willing, I believe, as a church, to go further than others go in order to reach those that others are unable to reach. Jesus continues to urge us to sail into deep water. And that's exciting. Let me talk to you about, or talk with someone who is in deep water. Someone who is, or has been for, for, for many years, out 
out fishing where it's not always easy. I want to invite Michael Gordon to come and join me on the stage just for a few minutes this morning. Michael and his wife, Maxine, and his daughter, Misty, are with us here this morning. Michael and his family live in Lucy, Jamaica. And Michael has been there in Lucy, I believe, since 1985. Michael, get the um, microphone there from Wesley, right there. There you go. Have a seat right there. Now, you've been in Lucy since 85. Is that right, Michael? Yes, sir. And I mentioned that Misty is here. Misty now lives in Houston with her husband, but she was able to come over and be able to spend time with, with you and Maxine. And, but you also have two sons. You have uh, Miles and you have Mick. They are uh, still uh, in Jamaica today, so uh, you guys are away from them, and, but we're glad that you are here with us. This is not the first time that you've been here, right? No, sir. Probably third or fourth time. Third or fourth time, right? And if any of you are picking up on an, an accent, it is because Michael is from southern Jamaica, okay? So, so, so he, he, speaks, he speaks with a southern Jamaica accent, if that's what you are, if that's what you're picking up on. But it's been since 1985, um, Michael, that you have had a connection with this congregation. Yes. And, and this congregation has... Uh, supported you and prayed for your family. Many have um, gone on uh, trips to Lucy and been able to be with you. In fact, and I know our congregation uh, has changed through the years, but it, since 85, uh, who, who in the room here has been to, to Lucy? Just, just a show of hands of those of you who have been. Look at that. See, see you, you might not even recognize some of the people that, um, that have been because everybody looks different. You look the same, by the way. You do not age. You look exactly the same. You do. Um, but I wanted you to come and, and be here because I just wanted you to be able to share some things this morning as, as we're talking about how to connect the next generation to Jesus. And I know that is um, uh, what is a passion of yours and what you are trying to do there with the people there in, in, in Lucy. And there were some things that we were able to talk about this week. Uh, Michael came and spent some time with our staff this week as we were discussing things that were going on here, but also things that were going on there in, in, in Jamaica. And I thought while we were here, the first thing for you just be able to share with us about the importance of the Sunday morning gatherings there in Lucy and how the people look forward to that time of being able to come together. Good morning, church. As um, we were discussing um, last week, Jamaica is not such a mobile society as America is. People do not travel around far distances a lot. So when it comes to Sunday morning and church, that is where most people meet, that is where most people gather. Sometimes we are not able to see a person until Sunday. And so the Sunday morning worship becomes very, very important because we are aware that well, somebody's not ill, somebody's not out of town, someone has a need in their lives, and that's when we meet to talk, not just to sing and have church, but we meet to talk and fellowship and share ideas and know about each other because we may not see each other again until the beginning of another week. So that is what makes the Sunday morning worship very important in Lucy, where we are in Jamaica. 
So Sunday mornings, it's more than just coming together and singing and your messages and uh, the classes that go on. It, it, it's really kind of a family reunion time. Would, would that be a good way to describe it? Yes, sir. It's when we, we talk, we laugh, we talk about things that have happened during the week. We talk about individuals who may have had good things happening to them, a baby being born, or even if somebody dies, you know, but Sunday morning just isn't just church for us. It's a time of getting together and sometimes meeting new individuals who are turning up for the first time, getting to know them, trying to connect with them. And if any of you, or for those of you who have been to Jamaica, you know this, but for those of you that have not, uh, this is not just an hour-long service that you go to, right? You guys, you guys remember that, those of you that have been? I mean, because remember, he's saying that you have a culture that this, this is one of the, the few times maybe that they have seen each other during the week, and so they want to be able to continue this conversation and continue going on. And I know that there have been times where we have been together where, where you've had some people uh, from East Brainerd who are like, I think it's about lunchtime, you know? We start looking going, wow, it's about lunchtime. And uh, not, not only is everyone still fellowshipping and everything, there is no sign that anybody's ready to leave. <laughs> yes, in, in Jamaica, we finish when we finish. All right, that's right. That is a good way to put it. We finish when we finish. And, but what a great, but, but what a, what a great community environment you're able to have and then to be able to invite others into that type of environment where it's not something, because let's be honest, let, let's be honest, for us here in the United States, coming together and, at a time like this can often just be a time where we just kind of group up together and then just all kind of go our own separate ways. Where, where there might be a few people maybe here that we talk to or a few people over here, but, but, but as, as a whole, we're not always focused on, boy, I can't wait to get to East Brainerd on Sunday morning so that I can spend time with so-and-so. Maybe we've already seen these individuals maybe earlier in the week because maybe we are a little bit more mobile and being able to move around. But for the most part, we don't just get up saying, man, I can't wait to get to, to, to East Brainerd in order to be able to, you know, see. But, you know, I look out and, um, and I see some of you and I realize, you know, I, I haven't seen you in, in, in a week, right? And then I look, and, and I see somebody, and I'm going to call him out. There's B.J. Hunt sitting right over there. B.J. had no idea I was going to call him out. But um, I remember when B.J. Hunt was born, all right? I remember when B.J. is Dakota's brother, by the way. So you guys know um, Dakota. And, but B.J. is Dakota's brother. And I remember when he was born. I know his family. And, I mean, it's just good to look out and be able to see him. And when we're done, I'm going to give him a big hug because I'm glad to see him, Right? And that's what it's like for you guys each and every week when you get together. Yes, sir. And, and I think it's great. That's something to invite others to be a part of because we want you to be able to be, we want people to be able to be known. And we, we want people to know that, hey, somebody, somebody at this place wants to be able to see me and to, um, and to spend time with me. Now, one of the things that you talked about this last week, Michael, is that um, I know that uh, there, was a, there was a death in the church family that was very uh, just impactful for everyone involved, a, um, a fellow worker that has been so important to, um, to you and to your family and to the church. And, but you talked about how you took other members of the congregation with you to that home, and people were asking, well, what do I do and what do I say? And you said, we're just going to go and be present, right? 
Can, can you just share just a minute why that's important? Just the idea that even if, even if we don't know what to say to others, just this idea of going and being present, how important that is. Thank you, Chris. Um, some of you may well know um, Dwight Thomas. Um, two and a half years ago, I had a very serious traumatic accident, was almost killed, and then Dwight came in, and for two and a half years, he has been working with the congregation in Lucy, and then he just had a heart attack last Sunday morning and died, just like that. And, you know, it really was, you know, traumatic um, with the church, and, you know, we were at church Sunday morning, and everybody was crying and hugging and just cheering up each other and trying to just lift each other up because we were just devastated. Then in the afternoon, we took a load of folks to, to his home to be with his wife, you know. His, his daughter was, you know, over in another city. I'd not come home as yet, but we went to be with his wife, and I just told them, you may not even have anything to say. The importance of us just showing up, being there, um, not even saying anything is very, very important in Jamaica. So sometimes, you know, when it comes to being with somebody who is weeping, who is in sorrow based on a loss, in Jamaica the important thing is not just to maybe have something to say, not even praying. The important thing is just to be there so that they can see you, look at you, and know that you are there with them and there for them. And that's very, very important in Jamaica. That's important in the congregation. And so that brings people together, that tells the family that we really care. And that's how it is in, in our country. Well, and I think that's something that, you know, is similar within both of our societies. Because, and, I, and I've shared with our church family here, how that, you know, we have a society here in the United States that, that has, there's a lot of problems. I mean, there, there's, we've, we've got uh, an opioid problem that, that is here. We, there are issues when it comes to politics, right? Uh, there are issues just when it comes to people being able just to live civilly with one another. We've got forgiveness problems. We've got, we've got a love problem. And I think these are things that are present, not just here, but also- Very in, similar. You know, very similar there in Jamaica. And so being able, the idea then is that when individuals are in the midst of and, and, and in the midst of what are sometimes very dark moments, the fact that they don't have to endure those times alone is very important. And so you're right, we might not be able to go and pray, we might not be able to have the words or know what it is that we need to say, but being able to invest in another's life, to invite them into our life so that we can share and be present in those moments it gives us opportunities later then to be able to, to talk about, about Jesus and, and, and why we're doing what we're doing and why we are the people that we, um, why we are the people that we are. Sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we forget the, the main thing that we need to be focused on and be, we, we get lost in all these others and forget that all the things that we do help serve to move others closer to, to Jesus. So when we were out, and I mentioned this on Wednesday night, we were out um, at a meal earlier this week and uh, we were looking, um, had a big menu, and the, the uh, waiter came by and asked if we wanted an appetizer, right? 
and asked about appetizers, and then we said, you know, no, no, thank you. We'll order something later. And uh, then they were taking drinks. Um, what was the drink, by the way, that you ordered? What, what did you? I ordered a cranberry. A cranberry. That's right. He asked for cranberry juice, and uh, the, the waiter kind of stood there for a moment, and then was like, oh, cranberry juice. Yeah. Let me go see if I have any of that. And he was a good waiter because what did he bring you? He found one. He found some cranberry juice. Yeah. So he brought that to you. So that was really good. But one of the things that you said is you looked at the menu and as we were talking about all the different things that, that could be ordered, whether it be the appetizers or even the big things on the dessert, um, you talked about making sure that we didn't miss having the main thing, the main thing, right? Right? And what did you call the main thing as we were sitting there? Do you remember? What's, what's the main thing when you're looking at that menu? Tenderloin. The tenderloin. That's right. That's yes. what as, as he's looking, trying to decide, he's looking, all right, we got the tenderloin, we got the ribs, we got the chicken, and he did. He got some of it all. I mean, the plate that this man, I know you look at him and you think, I mean, he wouldn't just eat, you know, like two ribs. No, I mean, we had a whole rack that took up the table, and he just, you know, put the, um, put the bib on, and off he went. And No, he, he, enjoyed, he enjoyed the meal, and we enjoyed it with him. But it was a good point that sometimes we get so caught up, Michael, in, 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 in all these other things that go on, and we forget to keep the main thing the main thing. We forget the meal. And, and what we are trying to do, we're, we're trying to, again, move people closer to a life-restoring relationship with Jesus Christ. Right? right? And, and so uh, what, what are just some things that are, right now in, in Lucy, what are just some things that are keeping people, you think, from the Lord right now? What, what are things that are just some barriers, maybe, that keep people from Christ? Some, some of the barriers is people make a lot of excuses economically. They think that, you know, their economic conditions um, matters whether, whether they serve Christ or not. There, there are some people socially, they think that they're just good people. They live right, they do right, and they so on, and that they really don't need Christ. What we're trying to tell people is that these things in and of themselves, some are, are maybe appetizers, some are maybe desserts, which are good in some sense, but that's not the main thing that they should be concentrating on. So while we interact with people, we do understand that they will be sidetracked and, um, by other things which are not necessarily um, um, bad in and of themselves, but the main thing is to concentrate on Christ. Like in the story of Mary and Martha with Jesus, one sister was cleaning house, which was a good thing. The other sister was sitting at the feet of Christ, which was the better thing. So while we're talking to people, we do not want to let them feel that the things that occupy their lives are not important. We want them to understand that they may be important, but the urgent thing in their lives is to ensure that they concentrate on the main course. Because when you go into a restaurant to eat, you can ignore the appetizers, and you can ignore the desserts, but really you go to eat because of the main course. That is what fills you up. And so we're trying to let people understand that what fills us up is the main course in life that is, you know, introducing Jesus. We can use the appetizers and we can use the desserts to attract them, but until they get the main course, it is useless. And how many of us have filled up on the appetizers before, right? Have we done that? You fill up on the appetizer, and then your meal comes, and you're like, 
Boy, I don't think I can eat. I, I'm not going to be able to eat all this, right? Because what? Well, how many of you filled up on the donuts earlier? Let's just be honest. I mean, since we got Krispy Kreme, it, it's amazing how many of you guys I found out are just, you're a two donut, you know, uh, you got a two donut limit. You do. You got one in each hand and off you go. But we fill up on those appetizers and we miss out on that main course. And let's be honest again, church friends, that we can sometimes within our society, we get so involved and so busy in so many other things that then being with community here like at church, well, if we have time and if there's not something else scheduled, we'll, we'll, we'll be apart. And, and we get so busy and there's so many things that are going on that we miss that one person. We miss that one that, that we need to be investing in, the one that we should be inviting into our life because we've got so many other things that are going on. We've got, the, we've got the desserts that we're so excited about that we've got to get to, that we've got to go enjoy. And then we miss this individual that's right here in front of us that we have the opportunity to be able to share Jesus with. Michael, I appreciate your time, brother. I appreciate you coming and being here today. But more than that, I appreciate what you have done for the last almost now 40 years in Lucy and for us being able to be a part of that. You guys are a part of our East Brainerd family, and we are so thankful to have you here today. Thank you, Chris, and thank you, East Brainerd. We appreciate you so much. Thank you. Oh, I appreciate that so much. And if you'd like to be able to speak to Michael, you can see him and uh, Maxine and their family. They'll be out there in our, in our lobby here in just a, a few minutes. You know, as we wrap up this time together, I want you to think about the fact how that, as you have been here today, you have probably passed by somebody else's one. You probably have. You've probably passed by somebody else's one. You might be sitting behind them right now. You may have held the door for them. You may have handed them a cup of coffee. Somebody else's one. You didn't know they were going to be coming walking through the doors, but they have ended up in your sphere of influence. And so I want to encourage you to, to make an extra effort to, to smile and, and to be welcoming and to engage and, and, and to talk. And, and I'm so thankful for the atmosphere that we have, we have really prayed over and worked hard over these last many years to be able to uh, develop. And, and I hear so many good things where individuals will come and, and seek me out and say, I so appreciate the way that, that I've been welcomed into the community of faith here at East Brainerd or, or, or the way in which people have, have treated me here my time here. See, we have to treat each stranger we meet as if they are somebody else's one. And especially those who, we, we talk about those being under the age of, of, of 45, because the fact even that they are here, and the fact that they have accepted invitation to come and to be a part is something that is becoming more and more rare. Besides, somebody else has prayed for this moment. There is someone who has been praying that, that their one would be here and, and be able to, to meet someone else here in this faith community and have this kind of encounter. And Satan would love nothing more than for a careless or selfish act to get in the way of this one seeing Jesus. You see, Satan would love for gossip to be overheard. And Satan would love for, for us just to keep to ourselves. And Satan would love for it and be thrilled if, if we complained about the way someone perhaps was dressed, or if we refused to lift our voice in praise, he would be overjoyed if, if I was the reason that someone else's one chose to resist the call of Christ. 
Paul said, I have become all things. I genomahi is the word he used. And it's a word that means to, to move from one point or one realm or one condition to another. It signifies a change of condition, a change of state, a change of place. In the verb form that Paul used, what it expresses that, that he became all things because it was his choice. It was a choice that he made. Paul says, this is no accident. I have chosen that I will do whatever it takes to make sure that others do not miss out on the grace of God. And so as we close out our time here, and as we think about, as we think about these next few weeks, we're going to continue to talk about specifics as, as ways that we might be able to better have a hearing and an impact on those who are not yet connected with Christ Jesus and know him as Lord and Savior. Then we have to ask, what is it that we are willing to do to make sure that others don't miss out on God's grace? Or the way that you see it on the screen, to make sure that others don't miss out on God's grace, I will what? How do you complete that statement? How do you complete that? What is it that you're going to do at school? What is it that you're going to do at work? What is it that you're going to do within your family? What is it that you're going to do at the gym? What is it that you're going to do this afternoon at a restaurant? What is it that you're going to do within this church community in order to make sure that others do not miss out on the grace of God? You've got your one. You've got that picture. You've got that name. Now you're going to commit to investing and inviting. You're going to do life with that individual. And you will do that because you don't want them to miss out on the grace of God. Because if they miss out on the grace of God, no matter if they enjoy the appetizer, no matter if they have the dessert, they miss the main course. And it's not going to happen on our watch, church. Can I get an oh yeah on that? Let's stand and give God praise. And if you need to come this morning for any reason, we encourage you to do so. If you'd like to be baptized into Christ, please come as together we stand and sing.